Good morning, Vale Church. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Glad you're here. Hey, didn't the worship team do an amazing job today? I just was really, gosh. I was telling them I was in here uh, during rehearsal and just really sensed the presence of the Lord. I just uh, I thought, man, they did a, a great job. For those of you that don't know who I am, I'm Steve Poe. I pastored Northview Church in the Indianapolis area for 23 years, just retired uh, December 1st, and I'm now preaching at churches uh, around the country. I've been here before. Some of you might remember I preached. Uh, you did my book as a series, Creatures of Habit. And I kicked it off for you with a sermon on anger. And uh, so I've been here before. I've been following your church, love your church, and all the things that God is doing here. So I'm glad that you're here today. I want to jump right into this, so let me pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. You're an amazing God, and what an incredible opportunity it is to be able to gather together and just to worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you, Father, um, that you love us. We thank you, God, that you have a purpose and plan for us. And I pray, dear God, today that as we get into your word, uh, just help us to hear what your spirit's trying to say in our specific lives. Thanks, God. We love you and we praise you. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So last week, we started a series. It's a three-week series called True North. And we talked about that, um, if you remember, if you were here, we talked about how compasses have a magnet, and your iPhone has a magnet. And we said that um, there is a point in the world, on the globe, that is actually true north. It's a specific point. And then we said there is magnetic north, which pulls according to the Earth's magnetic forces. We said that if you took two iPhones and you put them side by side, and on one of those phones you changed the setting, to true north, you can change that setting in your phone if you changed it, and then you held them side by side, they would be slightly off. Did anybody try it? Did anybody go home and try it? Yeah, well, it works. I've done it. And so some of you would say, well, what's the big deal? They're just slightly off. Well, it depends. With magnetic north, it depends where on the earth you're standing. It'll vary according to that. So, I mean, if you're standing in California, it's gonna be so many degrees off. If you're standing in New Zealand, it's gonna be a whole lot more off, but it's all based on the Earth's magnetic forces. And so we said, when you point them straight uh, together, they're just slightly off. And some people say, so what's the big deal? I mean, it's so slight, is it really gonna matter? But the thing is, is that even if it's only one degree off over time, it's gonna take you miles away from where you intended to go. For instance, we said, let's say you're headed to the moon, but you're one degree off course. By the time you arrive, you're gonna miss the moon by 4,169 miles. We said there is a parallel in all of this when you're talking about true north. We said the parallel can be made financially, it can be made in our marriage and dating, family, spouse, in life. In other words, it might seem like a small thing, but if you are following the Lord Jesus Christ and walking towards him, that would be true north. That's a foundation. But if you're being pulled by the culture, the magnets of the culture pulling you away, that would be like magnetic north. And again, even though it might be a small thing and seem insignificant, by the time you arrive at where you intended to go, you're gonna miss the mark. You're gonna miss true north. 
In Proverbs chapter 14, it says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. I'm sure there are some of you today that have found yourself in a place you're not happy about at all. You're not sure how you got there or, or when you got there. But friends, listen, wherever you find yourself, I want you to understand this. I want you to know this. There is a way back to true north, and that path is found in Jesus. Because friends, here's the reality. Every morning, we wake up to a world that's trying to pull us away from where Jesus wants us to go. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He knew you, the scripture says he knew you before you were ever in your mother's womb. And he wants to see that purpose and plan fulfilled in your life. But there are things, there are things in our culture, magnetic pulls in our world that are trying to pull you off course. So magnetic north is the direction this world wants to pull you. Make no mistake, my friends, we live in a world that's always trying to pull us away from God's perfect plan. The philosophies, the values, the worldviews, the schemes of mankind are constantly shifting. But scripture makes it clear for us in Hebrews chapter 13, it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one thing that never moves. He is the one thing that never alters. Jesus is an unchanging source. He never wavers or changes. True north is the direction Jesus wants to guide you. Jesus is gonna guide us. And if Jesus is going to lead and guide us, then don't we need to understand who he is? If you were here last week, I said that um, if I asked how many of you believe in Jesus, the majority of you, if not everybody in the room, would raise their hand and say, well, yeah, we believe in him. And if I said, well, now, uh, could you define him for me? Describe who he is. We would get a lot of different descriptions. We would get a lot of different definitions because maybe we have different beliefs or, or thoughts on who Jesus is. But Jesus wanted to bring clarity. Jesus wants us to understand who he is. He wants us to understand his character, and he wants us to understand his nature. We said in the book of John, Jesus gives us seven I am statements to clarify who he is. In this series, we're going to deal with three of those seven. The next one. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. He says, I don't, want to, I don't want you to be confused about who I am. Now, if you were here last week, we looked at I am the resurrection. And I said, that is the most definitive and powerful statement Jesus ever made about himself. Out of anything or everything we could talk about, nothing is more important than that particular statement, that particular identity. I am the resurrection and the life. No resurrection, no Christianity. It really is that simple. No resurrection, no Christianity. I said there are times people will say, well, you know, Steve, uh, I, uh, uh, even if they proved that the resurrection didn't happen, I'd still believe in Jesus. I would not. Christianity is based, our whole uh, worldview, our whole philosophy, our whole understanding of Christianity is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, we're gonna to look at the next one in John chapter 10, verse 11, that says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. The statement has everything to do with how Jesus wants to guide us. That's what we're talking about today. How does Jesus wanna lead us? How does he want to guide us to true north? He doesn't say, I am a good shepherd. He says, I am 
the good shepherd, a big difference. In fact, notice the verse right before this one. It's a verse I'm sure most of you are familiar with. In John chapter 10, 10, it says the thief's purpose, the thief, of course, is Satan, the devil. The thief's purpose is what? It's to steal and kill and destroy. To steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The enemy will try to use everything he possibly can to destroy you. His goal is to keep you from God's purpose or plan for your life. Now, I know there are some of you that say, oh, the devil doesn't even know I'm around. He doesn't do anything to me. You are kidding yourself. You are kidding yourself. He is out to steal, kill, and destroy from each and every one of us. That is his motivation. That is what he is all about. Now, There are things that he'll use. I want to give you an example. There are things that the enemy will try to use to destroy us that I believe uh, that have to do with our everyday world. For instance, the pandemic. COVID is a great example of that. We know that COVID created an economical and social crisis in our world. But I would also argue that it created a spiritual crisis as well. It broke a lot of good habits. Before the pandemic, uh, people, many people were in the habit of going to church. They didn't even think about it. During the pandemic, we closed most of church buildings across the country for a period of time. What happened? It broke a lot of good habits in people's lives. And then when church doors opened back up, many people didn't go back. I mean, across the country, many did not go back. And so the enemy used the pandemic to uh, break those good habits in our life. You say, well, is that really that important? I mean, Steve, I watch it online, and I love it that we have online services. Technology makes it wonderful for those that are shut in. It makes it wonderful uh, when we're trying to reach people that are far from Christ. But in reality, as Christians, as believers, we need each other. We need the body of Christ. We need that fellowship. Church attendance is not just a luxury. It really is an important part of discipleship. It's an important part of who we are. And in Hebrews, five times in the book of Hebrews, it talks about a broken relationship. And you read in Hebrews 10, the writer of Hebrews says, forsake not, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some. So in other words, sometimes we break good habits and create bad habits in our life. And the writer of Hebrews says it's a bad habit to not be in fellowship, to not be in church attendance. We need it. We need worship with one another. We need fellowship with one another. Our kids need it. And so it's very, very important. So my point to all this is the enemy used the pandemic to try to destroy the church, to try to destroy believers' faith and their walk with Christ. Again, that's why as believers, my friends, we need to step up because hear me, we're the ones who know the way to true north and we're the ones that understand Jesus is the only way. Again, Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. But in the same verse, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. And how then, my friends, can we obtain that full life? Well, Jesus tells us to follow him like sheep would follow their shepherd. But in order for us to appreciate Jesus as the good shepherd, I think we have to first understand how much you and I are like sheep. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but out of all the animals mentioned in Scripture, none of them are mentioned more times than sheep. 
They're mentioned over 200 times. Horses are mentioned 160 times. Dogs are mentioned 44 times. Eagles are mentioned 30 times. But did you know there is one animal that is never, ever mentioned in Scripture? Do you know what that is? Cats. <laughs> Not one time. Now, I know that some of you are going to quickly argue, some of you cat lovers are going to quickly argue, and you're going to say, well, Steve Lyons are mentioned, and they're a cat. Okay, okay. But it says Satan is like a roaring lion. So, so that means cats are like these little demons that are running around. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Listen, the scripture compares us, the scripture compares and makes it clear, it compares us to sheep. Does that remind you of some of your friends? How many of you, how many of you have a pet sheep at home? Anybody? No, I, I didn't think so. Why? Because sheep do not make good pets. Why? Because they're so dumb. I mean, do you know any schools that use sheep as a mascot? I mean, come on, the fighting sheep of Purdue. They are so bad. <laughs> Ever see a sheep do any tricks? No, they're too dumb. I mean, the only way you can get a sheep to play dead is to shoot him, and that only works one time. <laughs> Let me give you a few facts about sheep. First of all, and this is what we're gonna do, we're gonna compare and so we can see why the Bible compares us to sheep. Sheep wander away and get lost easily. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says, we all like sheep, we all, us, like sheep, we've gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Let me tell you something. If you have ever led a group of adults, if you've ever led a tour group or a mission trip, you know exactly what the scripture is talking about because I have. And I'm telling you, it is easier. I've led mission trips. I've led groups to Israel. It is easier to lead a group of first graders than it is to lead a group of adults. They are, adults are so independent. And you'll, you'll say to adults, okay, we need to, we're walking, we need to go and we need to all stay here. Don't go over there, over here. And you look up and where are the adults? Three are over there, two are over there. It's like you didn't say it at all. So it's, hard. it's like herding cats when you're herding adults. Sheep go off on their own. Not only do they get lost, but they'll usually do something very dumb. They'll do something very stupid. When a horse or a dog gets lost, they're able to find their way back, aren't they? Almost always they can find their way home, but not a sheep. What about you? Do you get lost easily? If I'm being really honest and transparent with you, Sandy and I, we're both directionally challenged. We get lost often. In fact, I've often said the invention of the GPS navigation system on our phones, well, honestly, it saved our marriage. I'm thankful for it. <laughs> And yet as bad as I am, man, she is worse. It doesn't happen. It, it happened this morning. It happens every time. We come out of a hotel room, she inevitably will turn the wrong way. I'm just saying. Okay, so maybe some of you are saying, but Steve, that's not us. You know, my spouse and I, we're not directionally challenged. And I get that. But is there any other area of your life that you get lost? Have you ever gotten up one morning and thought, I don't know how our marriage got to this place. I, I don't know how we've gotten in so much debt. 
I, I don't know how we've gotten so far away from God. It's because, my friends, we're all like sheep and have strayed away from the good shepherd. We've allowed the magnetic pull of our world to cause us to wander. We've, we've allowed the magnetic pull of our world to cause us to compromise our faith. <clears throat> Here's another fact about sheep. <clears throat> sheep lack discernment. Most animals have a sense about what plants or berries are safe to eat, not sheep. They'll eat poisonous plants, they'll eat poisonous berries. So shepherds always have to be on guard. They always have to be watching what the sheep eat. I also read, well, let, let me show you this first and you'll see what I'm talking about. Have you seen this on social media? Watch your screen. Need I say more? <laughs> they say that when a sheep will get stuck between two rocks, he's trying to go through and get stuck, and instead of backing out and going around, that sheep will just continue to push himself deeper and deeper, more and more stuck, until the shepherd finds the sheep and pulls him out of the, of the rocks. I don't know, maybe overwhelming debt, or maybe a bad relationship. Have you ever gotten stuck between a rock and a hard place? But instead of breaking out or repenting, you just keep pushing forward. You just keep pushing deeper into it. How many times have you dabbled in something you thought was innocent fun? Maybe it was drugs, maybe it was porn or whatever it might be, but you thought, well, it's not that big a deal. Come on, Steve, everybody's doing it today. It's just a little thing. Instead of avoiding it, you've justified it. And now it has a hold on your life. Another comparison would be sheep also follow the flock. If one sheep goes over a cliff, it's not unusual for others to follow over that same cliff. Or at the time of, a, or at the time of slaughter, a rancher will get what they call a Judas goat to walk up the ramp while the rest of the sheep in single file will march right up the ramp to their own death. Guys, how many times have you watched something do something really dumb because everybody else is doing it. All of your friends are overspending on travel and entertainment. Maybe all of your friends are engaged in sexual activity outside of marriage. Maybe all of your friends are justifying innocent lies. I mean, come on, everybody tells a little white lie today, right? I've seen people destroy their marriage with too much debt. Another comparison would be sheep are full of fear. A simple jackrabbit can spook an entire flock and send them running. Many of them don't even know why they're running. Makes me think of the two gas employees and they were uh, just finishing up a job and the truck was down the street and one of them says to the other, I'll race you down to the truck. And while they're doing that, there's a woman inside the house in her kitchen window looking out and she sees these two gas employees. So the guys run down to their truck, they arrive at the truck and they're laughing and they're panting, they're out of breath and they turn around and here's this woman standing behind him, behind them and she's panting and out of breath and they said, ma'am, are you all right? What, what's the matter? And she said, when two gas employees are standing in your yard and they start running, you, I think you better run. <laughs> you ever been anxious? Silly question, worried or full of fear? And maybe you don't even know why. 
I'm just telling you guys, that's why we need a good shepherd. The next one, sheep are defenseless without a shepherd. Think about it. Have you ever seen a, a wild flock of sheep? No. Almost every animal, they have some form of defense. I mean, think about a horse. I mean, it's a big animal, a strong animal. Or think about a porcupine or a skunk or a, a, a dog. All of them can defend themselves. Even a turtle has a hard shell. Cats have been known to claw your eyes out in the middle of the night while you're asleep. <laughs> They're just little demons. What do sheep have? Absolutely nothing. They're not fast. They don't have sharp teeth. They're just defenseless animals. Listen, sheep need a shepherd just as you and I need the good shepherd. Because friends, we are defenseless. Please hear me on this. We are defenseless against the enemy. We are defenseless against the devil. You know, some of us, we think we're so independent. We think we're strong, we're, we're smart, we have a big bank account, we went to an Ivy League school. We, we don't think we need anybody's help. We certainly don't need God. Well, I'm gonna tell you, my friends, you are no different than the rest of us. You are no different than the rest of us. And no matter how smart you may think you are, without the shepherd, you don't stand a chance against the enemy. You don't stand a chance against Satan. On the other hand, when I have a good shepherd in my life, the scripture tells me in 1 John chapter four, but you belong to God. You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The Holy Spirit that's taken up residence in you when you accepted Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit that's taken up residence is greater than the enemy. And Paul writes in Philippians, he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I am powerless without God against the, whole, against the lies of the devil. But with the Holy Spirit living in my life, I can do all things that Christ is instructing or leading me to do. With the good shepherd leading me, I am in good shape. Next slide, how is Jesus our good shepherd? How is Jesus our good shepherd? So we just looked at the 10th verse. Now let's read John chapter 10, verse 11 to 16. He writes, Jesus writes, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. I know this isn't gonna make sense. I'm gonna come back and explain in just a minute. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Guys, that's the gospel message in a nutshell right there. Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for you and for me. Notice he said, then I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. What does that mean? He says, and I must bring them also. The Jews were God's chosen people, but he wants them to know he's also 
going after the Gentiles or the non-Jews. Listen, the whole point of what he says right there is that Jesus desires that all mankind would be saved. It's Jesus desires that everyone, Jew or non-Jew alike, would find him in a relationship. Regardless, my friends, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of the size of your bank account, Jesus loves us all. Friends, Jesus left the comforts of heaven and he came into our universe. He came into our world. He came into our pasture to put on the face of a shepherd. He walked, the scripture makes it clear, he walked our pathways. He braved our wolves, or in other words, our demons. He faced our temptations and he shared our struggles. Jesus came to guide us. He came to lead us. He came to be our good shepherd. So let's take a minute and see what he means for Jesus to be a good shepherd. In the Old Testament, David does such a a magnificent job of comparing the heart of our Heavenly Father to that of the shepherd in the 23rd Psalm. David reaches back into his childhood. Remember, as a young boy, he was a shepherd boy. And he reaches back into his childhood experience of being a shepherd and, and he thinks about these vulnerable sheep that he cared for and how they, uh, their entire well-being depends on the skills and the cares of a good shepherd. First, we know this. He is always present. He is always present. In the passage that we just read, it said, remember, in the passage we just read, it said there was a hired hand, and whenever a wolf came on the scene, the hired hand ran. And you think, well, that just doesn't make any sense. In Jewish law, the Mishnah, there was a law for hired hands. And it said at the first sign of a the first sign of trouble, at the first sign of a wolf attack, these hired hands were required, their job required them to stay. But if two wolves attacked, well, in that case, it was all right for them to run. Here's my question. Do you have some one wolf friends? In other words, if things aren't too bad in life, maybe a few little minor struggles in life, some of your friends might offer some help. But when your back is against the wall, all of a sudden they're nowhere to be found. All of a sudden the people, when you needed them the most, the people that you called friend, the people that you, that you looked to the most are nowhere to be found. It's like, where did everybody go? The people you thought that should have been there ran away. Not so with Jesus. Hear me on this. Not so with Jesus. No matter what you go through, no matter what struggle, no matter what difficulty you go through, Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. I don't care even if you make a blunder. I don't care if you make the biggest mistake of your life. I don't care if you find yourself in prison. I don't care if you find yourself uh, 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 committing an adulterous affair. I don't care if you've struggled with an addiction. It does not matter. If you just decide that you're gonna follow Jesus, he will never turn his back on you. He will never turn away from you. The scripture again says he will never leave you or forsake you. He loves you and he tells you what? He tells us to, as believers, to cast our care upon him because he cares for us. I know all of us in this room have made some mistakes. Some of them doozies. We've blown it in a big way. God will never turn his back on you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. The next slide tells us he always guides. He always guides. 
What did John 14 say? I know my sheep. Think about that for a minute. I know my sheep. Friends, God knows more about you than you know about yourself because he has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. And if you will just follow him, he wants to guide you into that plan. Again, and I said this a minute ago, God knew you before you were ever even in your mother's womb, before you ever even existed, before you were ever even a thought. God knew you and he had a purpose and a plan for you. You know, guys, if I'm standing at a field and it's full of mines and I'm supposed to get to the other side and I'm standing there not knowing what to do and a guy comes along and he said, oh, I know where every single mine is. If you'll follow me, I can take you to the other side. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna step exactly where he steps. When he lifts his foot, I'm gonna put my foot right in that same place. I'm gonna stay right on his tail. So then guys, why in the world do we hesitate following Christ every step? He knows where the pitfalls are of life. He knows where the difficulties are of life. He has a purpose and a plan for our life and he wants to guide us. He wants to lead us. In Psalms 23 verse one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Have all that I, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me, there it is, he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Do you see it? He leads me and he guides me. The next slide says he always provides. He always provides. Go back to verse one and it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I have all that I need. Let's skip down to verse four. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, even when I'm going through the most difficult circumstance of my life, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. I'm not afraid because I know he has my back. I'm not afraid because I know that he loves me. I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I heard about a Sunday school teacher who was teaching four-year-old girls, and she asked them to memorize the 23rd Psalm. They came in one Sunday morning, and she said, did anybody memorize it? One little girl said she had, so she stood up in front of the class, and she said, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want, and she sat down. <laughs> Listen, that little girl may have overlooked a few verses, but I honestly think she captured David's heart in this particular Psalm. The idea throughout this psalm is that we are utterly content in the shepherd's care. We are utterly content in the shepherd's care. We experience when we trust Christ, when we walk with Christ, we experience, the Bible tells us, we experience a peace that passeth all human comprehension. There's nothing else we need. Did you notice in verse two, he said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, sheep are easily frightened animals. They're very timid and nervous and it makes it difficult for them to relax. It makes it difficult for them to lie down because they're just so timid. They're just so worried all the time. That is until the shepherd comes near. When the shepherd comes near, sheep will settle down. They find their comfort and they settle. What did it say in verse four? Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Being close to the shepherd brought them peace. I think it's amazing how that same thing is true with you and with me. We allow so many things to frighten, to worry us. There is so much anxiety today, come on. In our culture, it's overwhelming. The World Health Organization says there's over 265 million people today with anxiety disorders. Think about that. 265 million people with anxiety disorders. People are absolutely full of fear and we have a tendency to think the worst. But for the Christian, nothing, my friends, quiets our soul or gives us peace like being close to our shepherd. In Psalms 145, it says, the Lord is close to all who call on him. I promise you, you call on the name of the Lord, he's not gonna ignore you. You call on the name of the Lord, he's not gonna turn a deaf ear. The Lord is close to all who call on him. The Lord's presence always puts a stop to strife. It always puts a stop to division. It puts a stop to fear and to worry. The Lord's presence always brings a peace and a contentment. Why? Because I know he has my back. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And then the last slide, he always pursues he always pursues. Guys, I know I've made some jokes just about how dumb sheep are, but please hear me on this. That's not the focus of John 10. That's not at all the focus of John 10. The focus on John 10 is how the good shepherd is, how the good shepherd loves us, how the good shepherd cares for us. That's what John 10's about. In Psalms 23, 6, it says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. When sheep wander off, what does a good shepherd do? Well, he's always gonna go find them. I mean, he's not just gonna say, oh, well, it's just one gone. Scratch that one. No, he's gonna go find that sheep. In Luke chapter 15, we read it, it says, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he lead the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. My guess is that there are some of you today that have wandered away from true north. My guess is that if you're completely honest today, some of you would say, I don't know when it happened. 
may not even know how it happened, but some way, somehow I have slightly gotten off course. The magnetic pull of our culture has pulled me away from true north. It's pulled me away from God's purpose or plan for my life. And my friends, you need to know that the good shepherd has not forgotten about you and the good shepherd is not dismissing you. The good shepherd constantly stands with his arms open wide because he is pursuing you, because he loves you and he wants the best for you. There is a story told about an actor who was the guest of honor at a social gathering where he received requests to recite favorite excerpts from various literary works. People love to hear him read. They would oftentimes ask him if he would read for them. Well, at this one particular event, an old preacher happened to be there and he asked the actor, sir, would you mind reciting for us the 23rd Psalm? And the actor said, I would be honored to do so if when I'm finished, you then recite it. Well, so the actor's recitation was beautifully intoned with great dramatic emphasis for which he received a lengthy applause. I mean, people were impressed. People were blown away by this reading. On the other hand, the preacher's voice, it was rough, it was raspy for many years of preaching. And he, to be honest, he wasn't very polished. But when he finished reading the 23rd Psalm, there was not a dry eye in the room. When someone asked the actor, well, I don't understand what made the difference, he quickly, he quickly replied, I know the Psalm. He knows the shepherd. So my friends, I ask you today, do you know the good shepherd? Do you know the good shepherd? Because if you don't, you certainly can meet him today. He loves you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And he wants to guide you into that purpose and into that plan. You just have to be willing to follow. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head with me, please, if you would, for just a moment, every head bowed. Is there anybody that would raise a hand and say, you know what, Steve, I've, I've drifted from true north would you pray for me? Just raise your hand real quick and put it back down. Just raise it and put it right back down. Yep, 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 yes. Father, I thank you and I praise you for each and every person, Lord, in this room, but I pray specifically right now, God, for those that raise their hands, those that have drifted away from your focus, drifted away from your presence, drifted away from true north. I pray, dear God, that you would help them to um, just to come back home that you would help them, dear God, to refocus today on you. I thank you, Lord, for your patience and long-suffering with us. I thank you that you love us and have a purpose and a plan for our life. And I pray, dear God, that every one of us would be intentional when it comes to our walk with you, that we would recognize that it really is our responsibility and obligation to follow after you. You're gonna guide us into all truth, but it's our responsibility to follow after you. Thanks, God. We love you and we praise you. We ask it all in the name of you, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We hope this message challenged you, encouraged you, and most of all, brought you closer to a loving God who wants nothing but the best for you. If you have any questions about taking next steps in your faith journey, simply text NEXT to 309-777-0677. Everyone has a next step, and here at Vail, we would love to walk alongside you. 
this message was impactful to you, we encourage you to share it. To stay connected to everything Vail Church, feel free to subscribe. Visit our website at vail.church and follow our socials on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, for all of those who call Vail Church home, let's remember, worship faithfully, connect intentionally, give generously, and serve sacrificially. We'll see you next week.